Would you like to be able to start conversations like a pro? Take The Sunday World, your daily dose of what's going on. Do not consume The Sunday World if you're involved in a drug cartel, you're a politician with something to hide, or you've appeared on a reality TV show and care about others' opinions. Consume The Sunday World responsibly. Always read the stories, gossip, and commentary. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. You know, he, he certainly operates in the legitimate world and has to go to banks and has to finance things like all of these yeah. people do and that does you know have an impact I would imagine but these connections his closeness with the Byrne family yeah. you know is beyond beyond all doubt yeah I'm Nicola Talent and you're listening to Crime World a podcast about criminals drugs and the sins of the underworld in Ireland and across the globe a caravan park millionaire, Morris Signs, has made news in the high-profile financial bible, Bloomberg, after setting in place a train of events that has threatened the liquidity of a multi-billion euro company. But who is Signs, and what are his connections to the Kinahan cartel? Today, I'm talking with Niall Donald about the self-professed Romany gypsy and his very close friendship with some of Ireland's most notorious criminals. This is Crime World, a podcast from sundayworld.com. I'm going to put in an application. Yeah. By the way, to get you an iPad. Right, okay, okay. Just to tidy you up a bit, you're very messy there. Yeah, it's a, yeah, I, I keep... Uh, it looks print. like your desk and I can't... Which is not a good word. thing, is it? It is not. I can't use the word that people use to describe your desk yeah. on air here. no. Um, but that's exactly what it's like. I mean, you've even got giant pages. Like, why can't you just print stuff out in normal size pages? Well, two reasons. Your blindness. One, my, my blindness. Yeah. And number two, every time I press print, it seems to print it out an A3 instead of A4. You don't know how to use the printer. No, I do know how, but mm. I haven't managed to successfully do it. I haven't managed to successfully find the giant calculator <laughs> that the lads want me to hand you across right. here so it looks yeah. as if you're small and tiny and... The calculator is a normal well, size. There's going to be enough humiliation for us anyway as we try and explain this story. Oh, I know. Our signs. I know. I'm kind of having palpitations, but we'll get there. And we want to keep it a little bit simple as well. Yeah. And I'm going to have to keep putting my glasses on because even though, you see, just the one explanation of the iPad, right? Yeah. Can make things bigger. <laughs> You're right, yeah, It's right, not that right. sort of far away. Near. No, no. You can make things bigger on your screen. And you don't print paper, no. so it's actually probably better for the Saving environment. environment. Yeah. Well, think? thank you, Nicola. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Sort it out for just, me. I will. I'm going to actually put in, I'm going to put in a request for you. Yeah. Uh, for your, and a new phone. Right, 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 right. Although amazingly, the phone isn't smashed up at the moment. No, I was, on, I was put formally, I was once taken aside in the company and said, you're on a blacklist for having broken more phones than anybody else what in you the whole company. Them? I don't know, Nicola. Just you just smash them. Yeah, yeah. Basically, yeah. just drop thuggery, thuggery, yeah. accidental thuggery. I actually the first ever iPhone I got. Mm. I don't know whether I should tell the story or not. Mm. Well, you're halfway there now. A bit, yeah. Yeah. I'd have to work out how to tell it. Anyway, let's just say it went. It ended up down the bottom of a toilet bowl. Right, right, right. In a pub. Yeah. In a, a dirty, filthy pub, actually. Yeah. And I got such a fright. Yeah. As it dropped down. That I reached down, was cleaning the toilet now, yes. it had been flushed. Okay. But I reached down, picked it up out of it, you know, started gagging. Yeah. Went to the tap and ran it under the tap to try and clean the toilet water off. Right, right, right. 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 And then somebody told me 
this nonsense that apparently if you leave a phone in the hot press, it dries off and you surround it with rice and all this. So I did that expecting the miracle. Yeah. And uh, uh, just another. Yeah. So that was another iPhone. That was a bad one now. That was a bad one. Um, There was no insurance, of course. No. Brand new. Back in the day, yeah. Brand new. It's the worst I've done. Mine is constantly smashed, but it's always the, just the face and then I get it all cleaned up and yeah. it goes again. Anyway, so this story, I'm going to let you sort of start it because we're going to talk about a guy called Morris Signs and his business partner, James Crickmore, who came onto our radar in the aftermath of the Regency Hotel when they showed up at the Byrne household in Raleigh Square. There was a wake being held for David Byrne and it was under surveillance by the Guardi, and we actually had our own cameramen uh, in the vicinity as well to see who came. David Byrne obviously was a cousin of Frat Freddie Thompson. He was there. Daniel Kinahan flew in to go to the house. Thomas Bomber-Kavanagh was there. Thomas Bomber-Kavanagh, brother-in-law. Kavanagh being the kind of the UK-Irish uh, controller of the their big cell structure, the Kinahan's big cell structure in Birmingham and in Dublin. Um, none of them were surprising to be going to the house. But with Bomber's, Bomber Kavanagh, the big man from England, were two guys that we probably hadn't recognised before. And it was then, and of course they stood up front and central at that funeral, and we identified them as Morris Sines and James Crickmore, two businessmen with very colourful pasts from the UK. Um, and... Yeah, the relationship with the Kinhans with 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 Kavanaugh has been interesting to kind of yeah. I mean, I think we'd we'd actually written about them before in a smaller way. Um, like they're they're very public on social media, at least were at that stage, and um, they've been in the papers famously because of a legal dispute with Elton John. Really, wasn't it? That was our signs had had. Yeah, yes, a dispute about um, he was building a caravan park. I think near Elton John's house was it at Windsor Castle. Yes, yes. like that. Um, and I actually not hundred percent sure Elton John made the complaint. His neighbours did, right, but his right. neighbourhood and this basically signs is a multi-millionaire caravan park owner. Yeah, but these caravan parks in the UK are different to here. I don't think we have them here. No, I mean, it's not, and, and this is, of course, the centre of the reason we're talking about it yeah. this week is because, um, you know, it's not that common, but Bloomberg have kind of followed up the Sunday World Bloomberg. story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's incredible. The, the, um, the, the famous uh, sort of business news, news. You read Bloomberg? I don't regularly. Do you not? Do you, no. you don't read it for your, your heavy not, not particularly. No, no, my, no, no, my, but this is, um, so, the, I mean, Morris Signs and his links to Daniel Kinnan have made Bloomberg this week, mm. which is quite, uh, you know, quite incredible, really. Um, I and remember- this is a dispute with a rival businessman. The caravan parks, um, just to be clear, aren't mobile home no, I mean, sites what they that are, we have here. Yeah, I mean, though he does to them, I think, as well. But what they are like, uh, and this is, this is centred around a, sort of a dispute he's having with a guy called... Robert Bull, who is the owner of Royal Life, it's called. It's a mm. big company in the UK. Basically, what they do, Royal Life, is if you have um if you have a, a house, if you're it's it's aimed towards people who are, you know, pensioners or in or around that age. If you own a home somewhere in England, they'll buy the home off your Royal Life and then they'll build give you a bungalow in one of these parks, which are kind of like retirement communities, really. It, yeah. And so they'd un, like, so therefore, you know, you, while you, while you're still alive or whatever, you get the equity in your home that you've owned, maybe your family home, if kids have grown up and moved out or whatever, and you get a chunk of money and you also get a bungalow on these, on these sites. They're not. They're kind of like mobile homey stroke bungalows, aren't they? I mean, I don't know whether I'd call them a bungalow. I have a bit of a thing about mobile homes. Well, they're, they're, they are essentially. Well, they're, a, they're kind of mass produced kind of homes, I suppose, but they're not, uh, they're not traditional mobile homes. on No, box or they look like more that. like a bit of a house and the kind of retirement villages, some of the pictures I've seen from them, yeah. they have like some of them, a swimming pool. Yeah, it's kind of a communal swimming pool and it's kind of like a village and they have a little shop and there's kind of this sense of a little bit of sheltered accommodation with it. Yeah, kind of. It's got security on the gate to come in and people have to give their names and that kind of thing and it does sound like quite a 
a sensible kind yeah, of American good, style. Yeah, maybe. it's kind of, I suppose it is a version of what, what happens in America where you see a lot of elderly couples retire to Florida and buy, buy kind of condominiums down there. So it's something equivalent. Have you ever been to Vegas? I have, I have been to Vegas, yeah, yeah. So when you fly out of Vegas yeah. over the Nevada desert yeah. towards the, the, the uh, Grand Canyon, yeah. you'll fly over this, like in the middle of the bloody desert, yeah. there's this big sort of like... Um, yeah, I didn't actually know what it was from the sky. I was looking down going, what is that? It's a yeah. retirement village, right? Yeah. In the middle of the desert. Yeah. And there's one shop in it and it is very much trailers and mobile yeah. homes on it. Um, and apparently, according to uh, my pilot anyway, yeah. he said that it was a lot of people who'd lost their fortunes really? on the slots. And that's where they're... And that's where they ended up. Because if you think about it, like when you're retired, yeah. kind of coming to, you know, a, a time in life that you want things on the flat. Okay, that's the desert is certainly flat. Um, you know, you want things close to home to be able to walk. Yeah. You might want to give up a car or kind of things like that. A desert? Yeah. It's nowhere near hospitals or no. shops or anything. They would one shop in this place right, right. that obviously I'd say was ripping them off. Well, it's still big business. This, yes. This, it, for, for Royal Life. Um, so, the, the you know, the story in Bloomberg is telling how Robert Bull, the owner of this guy in his 40s, he he had one stage gone bankrupt back a number of years ago. But it said in recent times, he'd recovered and he'd built a business that was valued at $4 billion. But that's like in a few years. That's in a few years. How does that happen? Well, I mean, I suppose it's valued if you sell off shares and you're publicly yeah. company. That's what it's worth. And they obviously see this as a growth area. So has which he it's... built all these houses? Sorry, I'm asking you this well, and you don't know. Or ha did he buy existing it's... sites? Well, I think he, he builds the houses. Yeah. Buys existing sites, builds right. these. And then, you know, obviously has a method of, of, of financing everything and all of that. I mean, the company was valued at four point. Four billion. That doesn't mean they have four billion worth of assets. No, but it means that it's been valued at that between the time he went bankrupt, basically. Yeah. So from and 2016 and earlier this year, yeah, he had built up a business that was worth four billion. He'd been added to the Sunday Times rich list for the first time. You know, he yeah. was flying high, whatever way you look at it. Um. However, that business is now in danger of. You know, it's in danger of going out of, you know, running out of money effectively because of a dispute he's had with Morris Signs, uh, in particular Morris, uh, a company called Signs Park Holdings Limited. Mm. Um, now, it gets quite technical what has happened, but basically... Yeah, try um, and keep this really basic. Yeah, me. because I try and keep it basic for myself since I probably am in danger of not understanding it. But, so um, the, you know, those sort of, you know, those, uh, like, just do it sort of kindergarten yeah, style. Right, right. Um, so basically, there's Morris Signs' his company. He's actually changed his name by default to Fred Doe, Fred Doe yeah. which we'd heard before um, yeah. because basically because of the bad publicity. Um, he basically put a number of his entities that are, that are linked to this company into administration. And when you put something into administration, you basically demand money be repaid instantly. We've seen this obviously during the Celtic Tiger where, um, for example, banks have lent all this money. Obviously, uh, sorry, Royal Life have obviously invested loads of money and they owe loads of debts to the bank. That happens in, all, mm -hmm. in normal businesses. They're operating on, on debts. But what happens, as you remember, during the Celtic Tiger, if debts get called in straight away, a company can be in trouble, even if they're solvent and yes. doing well in many ways. Signs... And it can but, have a knock-on effect yes, in the so same signs, way as... And that's what happened panic here. Panic the exchequer. Yeah. So he looked for money he put some of his entities into administration looking for money to be repaid straight away. Then another company um, also followed suit, fearing they weren't going to get their money. And that has also put um, put the company under huge pressure. And a, a, an investment firm called Intermediate Capital Group, which um, claim is looking for debts of about 500 million from this company. So it sparked this thing, which which happens where all of a sudden one company thinks this, day, this company could go out of could go bankrupt, therefore we won't have, we won't be able to get our money back, basically. So everybody tries to grab it's it. kind of money. like in a small way, um, what happens in a crash. Yes. When people start to panic, yeah. they look to get their cash out of banks, exactly. they sort of lose trust in the banking yeah. system. This is within a company that yes, people but, and are... And all companies have debt. I mean, mm. you know, every single company has has debt with banks. Now, the Royal Group have, have said that, you know, they're not, that they're, 
it's business as usual is what they said. They said more than 200 legal en- entities compromised the Royal Group and these remain unaffected. He said this to Bloomberg News. So he's Price. basically saying... Comprise. Comprise, sorry. He's basically, <laughs> say, he's basically saying that the you know, that they can work through this problem. Um, You know, Royal Life also said that the company is working with a syndicate of financial institutions to complete a significant transaction this year. So basically they're saying they'll they'll get through it. But what's not in dispute is that Morris Signs, his company, his actions, put this billion dollar company uh, sparked this this chain reaction. Um, and Bloomberg have delved into some of the backgrounds into Morris yeah, Signs, I mean, largely maybe perhaps leaned on some of the reporting in the Sunday World over the last few years, which is fine. We're happy for Bloomberg yeah, anytime. to take our stuff anytime, Bloomberg. And we're talking about your story here. So it's all about sharing and caring in the media industry. Yeah, I mean, the headline is alleged gangster sends bungalow billionaire into insolvency spat. So, I mean, they're straight off saying this guy, Fred Doe, but really Morris Signs, mm. you know, this is his background. He's He's obviously... You know, during the, the the cab case brought against the burn organised crime group, Mara Signs and his his partner James Crickmore were both mentioned as having been involved with the Kinahan cartel, and um, they were described in detail. It was in the affidavits given. Um, in the affidavit, it was also stated that they were under investigation for money laundering in the UK at that time, and that was twenty eighteen. Yes, exactly. And you know, I don't know if there's been any particular. Uh, you know, developments, developments with that. But they also, in the Bloomberg, in one of the, the legal filings that had gone on, um, they described how James Crickmore, who's a few years younger than, than Mara Signs, I mm-hmm. think, but he's been, they've been involved in business for a couple of decades. Um, they describe how Crickmore visited the home of one of the Royal Life executives um, in May, saying he had business with him. Um, and the, the executive's wife is described as finding the experience unsettling and the manner the matter being reported to the police. So they're they're obviously aware of the 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 criminal background of these people. I mean, a quick Google will tell you what my response is. That would be is. a little bit of their MO, do you know that? Because I mean we'll go through a little bit of their backgrounds now, but they have been um, you know, accused in the past of bullying homeowners on these sites, elderly pensioners. Yeah. Um, and they've actually been fined in relation to that through the courts. Yeah. Um, so Mara Signs uh, and James Crickmore first really come on the scene in the horse racing industry. Yeah. Okay. Which, of course, the Kinnahans were also uh, had a, you know, made the papers for their involvement with horse racing as well. So in the UK, in sort of the late 90s, mid 90s, there was a, a lot of kind of concern with the jockey club about money from cocaine basically f- flushing around the racetracks. Um, and of course, for the jockey club and the horse racing industry, it's very important that races are kept on the straight and narrow. Yeah. That nobody's bribed or corrupted because otherwise nobody will go to the racetracks and bet. I mean, it's a, it's a very much a sport based on a sort of a trust. Yeah. But anyway, there was a guy called Brian Wright, a.k.a. The Milkman. Yeah. Who was originally from Ireland. Um, yeah. Originally from Stony Batter. Oh. Yeah. You claim them. Yeah. Claiming them, yeah, for Dublin 7, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Anyway, he was originally from Ireland, but had been brought up in the UK in quite of an impoverished household, large Irish family. And he sort of became this character on the race courses and very wealthy. He was supposed to have won a first bet and that led him on to becoming a kind of professional gambler. And he was always knocking around with celebrities and all this. But in the background, of course, his money hadn't come from luck. Yeah. It had come from cocaine. And he was the one of the first sort of cocaine lords, really, that transported yeah. uh, shipments of the drugs from Colombia across the seas in his own yachts. He had a kind of a gang who were had this scam that they were basically, you know, sailing the drugs into the UK. But of course, there was a bit of uh, unlucky weather off the coast of Ireland and a ship called the Sea Mist yeah. uh, came a cropper and had to pull into one of the ports in Cork, I think, can sail. Uh, drugs were found on it. And at the same time, UK customs were watching him anyway. Um, and this resulted in a huge, big operation against his organisation. Yeah. Um, his son, his Colombian fixer and others were caught and jailed. 
while he escaped to Turkish Cyprus, yeah. where he remained kind of in hiding there for some time until he was arrested, brought back to the UK and put on trial. And when he was on trial, the details of what had sort of occurred in the background with the horse industry all came out. And it turned out he was bribing a number of jockeys to lose yeah. because actually they say it's the easiest sport to corrupt because you can definitely lose. Yeah, yeah. You can I, pull the horse back. Yeah. You know, you can give it whatever it is. It'll make it run slower. Yeah. Uh, but ultimately the jockey has control of the horse losing, not yeah. of it winning. No. So they were all, it was this bet to lose syndicate he was running okay. and it was all very embarrassing for the jockey club. But in the meantime, so they were kind of after this report had been done into the right organisation and how they had really infiltrated horse racing. Um, the report kind of made the the quip at the end of it that, you know, the horse racing industry better be ready for Brian Wright Mark too. Yeah. And sure enough, really, I think you could possibly say the Kinahans were the next yeah. dipping their toe into the, the market. Um, in 2007, there was another court case and concerning the jockey Kieran Fallon. And Daniel Kinahan did take a starring role in it without ever being charged yeah. or convicted of anything. And nor, by the way, was Kieran Fallon. Yeah. Um, so there had been surveillance uh, pictures of him taken in 2004 and they were shown during the course of the evidence. And it was uh, it was this sort of another bet to lose sc scam, which the prosecution said was masterminded by this high stakes gambler called Miles Rogers. Yeah. Are you interested in a little bit of this? I am. Go on. So anyway, police had put... <laughs> well, I look like afraid, I'm just afraid I'm Go going on. to send everyone to sleep here with my droning voice. But anyway, I'll continue. Go on. Uh, police had put this guy Rogers under surveillance, believing he had fixed these races over a two-year period. And they had a bug in his car. And in May of 2004, Kieran Fallon had won this race on yeah. Russian Rhythm, which I think was a horse that was owned by the Queen. Um, and they heard... Uh, the trial heard that Rogers tried to confront him yeah. because he'd won and he'd failed. And days after the race that Daniel Kinnahan had flown into Leeds Airport and that he was met by Rogers. And didn't he have a famous quote about Daniel Kinnahan then? Was it, was it Kieran Fallon who had it? That... No, no, I think it was Rogers himself. Yeah. So Rogers took Kinnahan to a hotel and they were joined by yeah. this other man, Philip, Philip Churkel, who had connections with yeah. Christy Kinnahan Sr. I think he was in business with him in the UK. Uh, the two of them travelled to another hotel and they were basically on their way, Kinahan and Churchill, to Fallon's family home. Yeah. And they realised they were under surveillance. They turned back at 2 a.m. And uh, that's when Miles Rogers described Kinahan as formidable yeah. and a menacing character. And he says, he's only a little fella, but you know when you've been spoken to. Yeah. Um, anyway, that was sort of the next, that was the next big scandal. Although the case, which was very long-winded in, yeah. in the old Bailey and all, didn't result in prosecutions. Yeah, successful um, prosecutions, yeah. In successful prosecutions. But it was around the same time as this Rogers trial was on in 2007 mm. that the sort of the third set of characters come into racing yeah. uh, with lots of money to spend, I suppose, and a bit of whiff of danger yeah. about them. And they're, this is where Morris Signs and James Crickmore, the owners of the company, Leisure Parks Real Estate Limited, yeah start to basically showing up at these very fancy race meetings. Yeah. Um, and they start betting big, big bucks. Um, now, the British Horse Rating Authority moved kind of quickly to investigate them because, I suppose, of what had gone on before and the embarrassment of yeah. the Brian Wright case because he had sort of been allowed uh, through, wouldn't say allowed, do it, but blind eye had been turned. maybe a blind eye had been turned, or else they just weren't mm. quick enough. So they moved fairly quickly on signs and Crickmore, and um, they investigated. And the results of the findings were they were both described as the instigators of another bet to lose scandal, and they were banned from racing for yeah. fourteen years. Yeah, uh, which was significant. Yeah. So you know, what were they doing? And there was all, there was this other guy, Nick Gold, in the middle of it. Yeah. Did you come across him before? I didn't really, know. He met Signs apparently in 2008 while they were playing poker in London. Um, and he had this company called Nick Gold Investments. Yeah. Um, he was part of it because he, I think Signs used his Betfair account. Right. 
um, when he shouldn't have been or he allowed his Betfair account to be used. So their sort of signs and Crickmore became notorious yes. on the race courses of the UK. Yeah, we didn't know them. I mean, we wouldn't have been really no, focused on the horse racing industry as such. No. Certainly. But 2016, yeah. they show up. They show up. I mean, right, I, so, like literally shoulder to shoulder with Bomber Kavanagh. Yeah, I mean, I think they had shown up on some social it's media accounts. Thing, was there? Yes, there were social media accounts, and like he's a formidable looking guy. Isn't yeah. Morris signs like a, a standout kind of uh, big, well built, burly, shaven headed uh, sort of guy you'd pick out of a crowd, and he was appearing in in some social media accounts over in Ireland, I think, at the time. Um, but it was at the funeral, of course, that he he really came to prominence, I suppose. And also just the way he was treated by the other people there. He was obviously somebody who was worthy of, of kind of respect. Yeah. And I mean, I think just exactly that. He stood sort of front and centre with the godfather, Bomber Kavanagh. And, you know, quickly after that, because it was literally a month later yeah. that the Criminal Assets Bureau burst through the door. Yeah. Uh, chainsawed their way through the door of Liam Byrne's house in Rally Square yeah. and discovered that it had been, you know, uh, certainly doubled in size with a building project that I don't think it had had uh, planning permission. No. A couple of doors down, there was a house which was halfway through the exact same building yeah. project and the um, they tried to, to, to get the details of the ownership of it. And I think the... Ultimately, they discovered that Morris Signs had bought the property yeah. and that it was been renovated for Lee Byrne, the son of Liam Byrne, in exactly the same kind of like a twin house as his parents. Yeah. Um. So, and they were named, obviously, then in those cab proceedings. But the Signs and Crickmore guys had in between that race scandal yeah. I was telling you about, and I suppose 2016 when they came on our radar, radar, they had sort of, um, you know, run roughshod through this caravan site business yeah. in the UK. And they made huge amounts of money. I mean, there's yeah. no doubt about it. Like, you're not talking about people with a couple of million. I mean, I think he described himself as a something like a billionaire at one point. You know, Well, he I mean? certainly could come across as that when you see the house he lives in. And I think that's also in Windsor near yeah. enough to one of the most exclusive um Actually, I'll come down to that where he lives yeah. in, in the UK because the, the estate is quite extraordinary, the neighbours in it, and then you have Morris signs in the middle of it. A man who's a self-professed Romany gypsy. Yeah. So he describes himself. But by the time kind of like they came back on the radar in 2016 along with Bomber Kavna, you quick look back over them and you see they have been forced to pay up to the two of them, signs yeah. and Crickmore, forced to pay £400,000 in fines and compensations for bullying these elderly homeowners in one of their parks, they had admitted 11 charges of bullying tactics or using bullying tactics yeah. at Portsmouth Crown Court. Um, and the court had heard that one of the homeowners in question, that they cut off her water and sewage pipes. Right. Um, and while others, they forced them to move and sell their homes back to them for lower prices maybe than they'd bought them for. Um, so they got personal fines for that. There were some residents that were too frightened, I think, to uh, come forward. And they spoke under, you know, anonymity yes. to some of the media. Um, and yeah, signs as well that grown to an unbelievable degree. He, he was living in Wentworth Estate is yeah. the name of it, um, which the neighbours included. Yeah. I'm going to read these out to you. Okay. Sir Bruce Forsyth. Yeah. Sir Elton John. Sir Cliff Richard. And yeah. get this one. Imagine this was your neighbor, right? Yeah. The Sultan of Brunei. Yeah. Wouldn't yeah. that sound good it at would. a dinner party? It would. It I was would. just talking to my neighbor, the Sultan, there the <laughs> other day, and he was saying, but, um, and he was like, you know, he was very active on social media, posing and, and showing off his wealth and, and his again, selection of cars. He had, he was like kind of the Daniel Kinahan phenomenon where. Although he'd been named, and a quick Google will tell you Morris Signs is named as having links to this criminal gang and, you know, obviously had been involved in the controversial instance you're talking about, to say the least. Um, he was also then randomly appearing on TV every now and again as a kind of a, 
uh, have a go businessman who'd risen yeah. from nothing. Um, you know, he was, I mean, he regularly showed off these cars and you're not talking about, uh, you know, uh, you know. Oh no, they were Rolls Royce fans. Mostly Rolls Royce. So like, you uh, know, 10, 12 of them in his, in his front yard. Like a strange kind so of phenomenon. he actually owned a lot of those cars that we had photographed the Byrne yes. brothers in and the years leading up to the Regency from about 2014 onwards, yeah. the Byrne brothers were kind of like regularly appeared in the Sunday world as the brothers bling. Yeah. They were driving around Dublin in these unbelievably expensive cars. I used to have to look them up and I remember there was one of them they had and it was a kind of a, a Land Rover or something, and Range Rover thing. Yeah. Range Rover autobiography or something. I don't know, yeah. And they it had like these flashing lights in it. You could yeah. make it into a disco car. Yeah. And there was a bar in it and stuff. And this G-Wagon, this Mercedes G-Wagon was like about 180 grand. Yeah. The Rolls Royce had been sent to Dublin, um, the Phantom, for use by Lee Byrne at his Deb's Ball. Remember that, yeah. It pulled up into the driveway in Raleigh Square. Yeah. How it got around the corner there and managed to pull into that little driveway is beyond me. Yeah. But they're obviously a better driver than me. Yeah. I can't get my car. No, I no, swear no. to God, it's like, I know it's really bad. It's like driving a boat. Yeah. It's like having a big, huge, I keep tapping it off things and crashed into the bins and everything the other day pulling out of the driveway. Well, there you go. It's really annoying. You don't, yeah, well, you don't, it's, it's not as if you have 12 of them either. No. But I mean, so like Morris Signs would appear uh, on social media showing off his his cars, talking to the camera. Yeah. Um, and he, around the time of the region, like in the aftermath of the Regency and the beginning of maybe that cab case against the Burns, um, you know, we got a couple of calls from PR agency, didn't we, representing him? Some girl, yeah. Yeah, who and he was kind of, uh, it wasn't like, you, sometimes you get people to ring up and it, it, it's more like, a, we're going to sue you type of thing. Yeah. But this was not that, it was that he's been misunderstood and, it's not true and, you know, he's never... He wasn't been. just happy with our coverage. No. And he obviously became uh, paranoid, I think, that, mm. that you know, Morris Science, Google will bring you up to this. Mm -hmm. um, and he was obviously trying to maybe rehabilitate his reputation and he ultimately changed his name. Um, and I just correct myself to get this right, okay, because yeah. the house on Rally Square... No, 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 sorry. This is the house in the UK, actually, which yeah. we're going to come on to. Yeah. Because when, after the uh, March 2016 cab yeah. raids on his house in Raleigh Square, yeah. like um, Liam Byrne, yeah. David Byrne's brother, who's currently in custody in Spain, yeah. awaiting extradition to the UK, yeah. he moved very quickly to England. Yeah. And he, uh, first of all, listed his address in the UK because I found it on this company. Yeah as one of these caravan parks. Yeah. And obviously you could see that Signs was kind of helping him yeah. to reestablish himself in the UK to kind of escape Ireland. He was obviously feeling very unsafe yeah. here for a number of reasons. His, probably his rivals plus the Gardaí were obviously, you know, coming down on the, the Burn Organised Crime Group headed up by Thomas Bomber Kavanagh, yeah. who was under investigation in the UK yeah. by the National Crime Agency. So the pressure was coming on everyone. But Byrne, we actually tracked him down um, I yeah. think it was by early 2018, we tracked Liam Byrne down. Yeah. And he was living in a house on the Dost Hill Road at Two Gates in Tamworth. And Tamworth, of course, was where Bomber Kavanagh lived yeah. on the Sutton Road. Um, and we photographed Liam watering the... Uh, yeah, the plant or the, plants, yeah, the garden. Yeah, something the like garden, that. Yeah. Doing something very domestic. Yeah. Um, and of course, when we looked up that house and did some searches on, on the ownership of it, it turned out it was owned by Leisure Parks Real Estate, the yeah. Signs and Crickmore yeah. Company. So they were clearly uh, providing houses for yep. the burn grouping. We don't know who else. Yeah. And they were giving addresses to them. But he was living in that for quite a period of time. Yeah, a lovely house now, really. Beautiful. Yeah. And a gated kind of house. Yeah. And up until the time that really Bomber Kavna came to, yeah. to trial, yeah. Because, of course, he was arrested on his way back from Mexico. He was initially charged and convicted of a stun gun that was found in his house on Sutton Road during a raid. But while he was in prison serving that short sentence, yeah. he was then arrested and they put a huge case to him involving the um, the transportation of drugs into the UK. Yeah. He got 19 years, 18 years. Yeah. 
So, yes, the links between them. Now, in the meantime, so Liam Byrne moved out Dostal Road. Yeah. He went to Dubai, we knew, well, look, and yeah. Spain. Yeah. He certainly had been in Dubai for a period of time after Kavanaugh was was jailed. But the relationship between himself and Signs is is a bit strange. Like we were told they'd fallen out and Yeah, I mean he he popped up then a couple of times, Mara Signs. Oh, you're gonna tell the next story because I am because I'm, I'm trying to get it exactly prudish. right. Oh well you'd need to get that one exactly right. I'm way too prudish well, to talk about it. Well I'll ask you Well I'll read I'll read the headline the, uh, I'll read it. I'll read the headline. Kinahan Pal had sex during police chase. <laughs> right. Okay. <laughs> what sort of dirty tabloid did you read that in? It's a, one of our rivals. Is it? Oh. I won't say. But a key associate claimed he took cops on a high-speed chase in his Rolls Royce because he was having sex with a woman in the back seat. Okay. So this was his own excuse. This is his excuse, basically. Um, he was in this Rolls Royce, which was estimated to be worth 450000 Right. And the Rolls Royce was spotted um, uh, driving erratically through an estate. Um, when he was chased by the police and he drove off through a nearby estate, they obviously didn't catch him, but they finally caught up with him later on. Yeah. Didn't catch him in the car, but they caught up with him later on. They obviously had the, the rage or whatever. And Signs gave us his, his excuse that he was being driven by a chauffeur. And he told the chauffeur not to stop because he was having sex in the back seat with a woman. Which it doesn't sound like a great excuse. No, and what, that he didn't he, want to f- stop? Or want, like as in... He didn't want to get caught or stop or whatever. Something like was that. It, do you think it was more his... Um, that he did, it was no, his, no, actually, his modesty, or do you think it was that he wanted to just finish what he may have started? Well, prosec- the prosecuting lawyer told the court he was estranged from his wife for a number of years and been been back with her for about a week. <laughs> Sorry. And he said he told his driver not to stop because he didn't want to be caught in that situation. That's that's what the court heard. Yeah. Well, so so do we? So he basically um, his ex- he sign said. I really regret what I've done and I embarrass myself. I now live in a mobile home next to my daughter and grandson and help with the illness of my grandson. I saw a police car with sirens behind me and I panicked. I was under a lot of pressure last year from police and HMRC, which is the... the got revenue, customs. isn't it? Yeah. yeah and that would be said, the money laundering. Because he admitted then it was him driving. Yeah. He said it wasn't oh. the chauffeur. That wasn't true. That so was, how is he doing all of that at the one time? But he wasn't doing it. Oh, he wasn't. Was, was the point. That was his excuse. So he, there was no woman and he wasn't No woman. Sex. He just didn't stop when they saw the police and he got he got fined. And he said about the HMRC, which is the customs, the UK yeah. customs, he said, they came to my house and arrested me and my family and wanted 50 million. The stress was very, very bad, mentally oh, and healthy. I'd love him. Healthily. Yeah. So that's... that's Morris. Yeah, so whatever he thought about that excuse yeah. certainly made a lot of headlines, even for people who didn't necessarily add in the uh, Kinahan link, you know? Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. The, um, yeah, look, he is a... Uh, he's an intriguing enough character. Yeah. I would think that he is very volatile. Yeah. I mean, when you see, uh, joking aside, that these two are bullying... Yeah. Pensioners yeah. out of their homes, cutting yeah. off their water supply. Yeah. You know, that's really, really yeah. low brow. He um I've seen, I've been looking at these two for years, and yeah. the money yeah. is I mean it's quite yeah. extraordinary. I mean, I have seen money, you know, being shown off in yeah. particular by people involved in the cocaine trade. Yeah. And it, you know, it it is just. I mean, it seems every day. Yeah. I mean, I mean, they've just so much of it. But you know, dropping um, thirty thousand a day on a new handbag is not unheard of. No, having wads of cash and and feeling the need and the desire to show all that off. But signs and Crickmore, who have no convictions in relation yeah. to drug um, dealing, uh, but they the money. Yeah. Is. Now, and of course, they have denied any, they know, admitted in their contacts with us through that PR agency, they denied being, having any involvement in crime. 
they said they obviously knew the Byrne family very well, but that was all. It was just a social relationship. And they obviously have legitimate business interests. There's no doubt about that. Yeah. Um, so that's that's what their position is. Um, but yeah, the, the level of wealth is absolutely stunning. I mean... You just would never have thought Morris Signs would make Bloomberg though, would you? No, I never would have thought. And it's, you know, it's, it's not just Morris. Then you have Daniel and... Yeah. Christie and the oh, sanctions true. against them. Do you think and all they get annoyed? Do you know, do you think they have like Daniel Kinahan at gmail.com or whatever he is <laughs> that he has this alert set up every time your name is mentioned in the media, send you through? I mean, he did have a PR agency working on his behalf. We yeah. didn't know uh, on a personal level that he had PR, a, PR executives working for him and yeah. with him. So he's definitely is uh, so keeping he, an eye. Oh, and he certainly was at that point. Yeah. This is maybe at the time when, uh, a couple of years ago, when he probably had hope of 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 emerging as a as a boxing, untarnished yeah. boxing businessman. And at that stage, we do know that he had people monitoring press mm-hmm. and working full time. Uh, you know, people that have are legitimate uh, press agents, I suppose. And he's had others since, no doubt. Um, but there was people with an Irish background who were working in that agency forum, and uh, they were certainly monitoring this sort of stuff. So, do you know? I just de- googled him. I thought it used to come up how many hits you can have. Yeah, on somebody, I just yeah. can't see that where that is. But um, do you know if you look up your, your most search terms, you can sometimes see that. Do you know what comes up most search term for you? For me, what? yeah, Nicola Talent. Age comes up and then Nicola Talent married. <laughs> How do you mean by that? I'll show you when we get back to I don't you. Understand that. <laughs> so that means people are looking to know. Oh, it says here, who did Christy Kinahan marry? Yeah. So it's me and Christy Kinahan and the same kind of people are nosy about. Yeah. Why don't they look up my journalism? Yeah, they did. that's probably the third or fourth option, but the first is one is Nicola Talent married. That's guess. I'm going to leave them all in the dark. Yeah. Um, so Kinahan has his Wikipedia. Yeah. He's on Wikipedia. Daniel Kinahan, Daniel Joseph Kinahan, born 25th of June 1970, is an Irish boxing promoter and suspect and suspected crime boss. Yeah. Why is that Irish boxing promoter first? Well, because, I mean, Wikipedia, yeah, but Wikipedia, yeah, well, people, people uh, put it in, you know, you can, you can edit Wikipedia yourself, you know. Well, I wouldn't say he edited this himself because no. it has all the business about it being named in the high court. It doesn't have the sanctions, actually. No. Um, but you see, Mara signs. Um, it does. Mara Signs certainly um, has resisted that that link, and it's certainly come back to haunt him there today um, in yeah. Bloomberg. You know, I mean, look, this is like all these people that they have a past and they think that they can just leave it behind. And yeah, now Mara Signs doesn't seem to be somebody who really cares how clean his reputation is. I mean, well, I he... don't know. I don't know. I mean, people are people are. Uh, you know, he, he certainly operates in the legitimate world and mm. has to go to banks and has to finance things like all of these yeah. people do. And that does, you know, have an impact, I would imagine. Um, but his connections, his closeness with the Byrne family, yeah. you know, is beyond beyond all doubt. Yeah. I mean, he was, I think he was a godfather of one of Liam Byrne's kids. and. Yeah. He was attended all the family events and Bomber Cabinet's home and yeah. Christmas together and everything. Yeah. They were almost as if they were related. Yeah. And even some of the younger members of the Byrne Organised Crime Group yeah. who were named in uh, the Criminal Assets Bureau documents in various ways, but including Nathan Biggie Little. Yeah. I mean, he was over in Signs' yep. home sitting behind the wheel of his fancy cars yeah. and obviously being photographed with the family and everything. So he's somebody we're definitely going to hear more of. And uh, that was a good find in Bloomberg. Yeah. So, um, yeah, we were going to talk about something else, which was the monk. Yes. The other side of the uh, the other side of the pond. equation. Yeah. Yeah. So it, so it it Jerry Hutch returned to Ireland this week, um, probably on the weekend, um, having spent I think it was ten weeks in in Spain, as far as we know. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it was obviously there was a lot of speculation when the case ended, what he was going to do. I think there was sort of a general belief that he might never return to Ireland. I mean, some people were Mm -hmm. speculating, uh, but that doesn't look like being the case. He certainly obviously got away and uh, spent time in Spain. As far as we know, there's no doubt he has properties in that general area. 
but he's back in Dublin now. Mm. I wouldn't say he's, uh, you know, I'd say he he's he's careful of himself, but I wouldn't, nor would I say he is in hiding or anything of of that type. Um, and that's the state of play, I suppose, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, I think he's always been careful and, you know... Cautious by nature, but... Cautious and... He must have got so used to now yeah. living like that. Yeah. And so, you know, I would imagine. Now, having said that, he walks, you know, sometimes we've seen him yeah. in the city centre and that kind of thing. Like this is his, these, this area has been his neighbourhood for a long yeah. time. It's his turf and he's very entitled to walk around it. Yeah. And he does feel comfortable in it, despite the fact that all has gone on over the years. I would imagine if uh, I was Jerry Hutch, I would have identified at this stage who are my friends and who aren't, Yeah. Um. who to be wary of. I think probably there's been a slowing of the Kinnahan pound yeah. coming in to the neighborhood to pay people, yeah. to pass on information. Um. You know, the Gardaí still keep a very close eye around the place. Nobody wants that feud to kick off again. Yeah. Nobody wants anything to start again. But it's certainly... It's his city. It's his town. He's perfectly entitled to be around. And he obviously feels comfortable enough to yeah. be home. Yeah. And I mean, I think there's, you know, even again, last week, there was a, a man convicted in relation to an attempt on his, uh, Jerry Hutch's brother's, late brother's life, uh, John Hutch. Yeah. So the 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 mopping up of the, the Kinnan cartel, I suppose, continues in, in a pace in Ireland, really. Um, and so many of them now are behind prison, are in prison, and mostly for attempts on the lives of the Hutch family. I mean, in that alone, there must be 20 people mm -hmm. alone, if not more, for attempts on John Hutch, Patsy Hutch, and, and you know, various other people. So it's, it's, it's certainly not what he was. I mean, we still have huge amounts of drugs being seized around the country. I mean, even this week, there's nine million pounds seized in, mm. of cocaine seized coming into Ross Lair. There's been other major seizures in recent weeks as well. Um, Was that just coming in on a container? It's coming in from Dunkirk, actually, in, in France. Yeah. Um, coming in on a, on, a, on a ship. I'm not sure if it was in a container, fruit. but... Um, probably was. Bananas, no doubt. Well, stuff like that. I mean, and there's been other seizures in recent weeks, some of them we can't go in, into, you know, in 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 to do with uh, other uh, machinery, let's put it that way. Uh, some of them that have, there, there's cases before the courts to do with it. So, but I think most of these seizures now, they're not being linked back to the Kinnan cartel. I mm. mean, for many years, I remember we had a, a boss who used to say, oh, not another uh, yeah. Kinnan cartel yeah. seizure. How boring can you get? Yeah. Um, but that was the reality, wasn't it? Was, it? Yeah. They, I mean, they had no point in claiming it was belonging to anybody else. No. It was just belonging to them and everybody used to get annoyed and make out that you were kind of just blaming it for it everything. Up. But the fact of the matter was, it was theirs. So what do you do? So they were bringing in so, you know, what percentage? I think somebody estimated once 80% or 90% of the drugs in the country yeah. were coming through them. Now, these seizures, interestingly, you don't hear that anymore. You don't hear... You do hear some of them. Yeah, those sort of ones that are involving the flights and all those yeah. new yeah. intricate ways. Yeah. Now, what I actually mm. understand is it's almost nearly gone full circle again. Yeah. And they seem to be back in a big way yeah. to the likes of what you saw in Donegal. Right. The bales coming in, the ships dumping a load of cocaine, tying them to boys somewhere yeah. offshore and the smaller boats going out to collect the stuff. Yeah. There's a huge amount of that. It's understood. You see, yeah. we are so badly or well-placed, whatever you call it. Yeah. I mean, you're trying to get drugs to Europe in a straight line. Yeah. And you have to just go through the middle of Ireland, basically. Yeah. And we have a coastline, thousands and thousands and thousands of miles of rugged coastline. Yeah. Um, I'm not exactly. Donegal yeah. to Cork. Coves, hit little hidden secret coves everywhere. Yeah, um, and of course in the Mediterranean and Spain have much bigger militaries. Much, you know, they they're also looking at, uh, you know, human trafficking and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. So there's a lot more monitoring of that coast. A tradition of, of like high high tech military surveillance. I mean, Ireland doesn't have that. I mean, of course, Maoc is there, which is the the marine 
Yeah. Uh, sort of the Europol of yeah. the Marine uh, in Lisbon and our own Michael O'Sullivan headed it up for a number of years. But it's there to try and get those mother shipments on yeah. their way in. But it sort of seems that while I think Europe is coming together, yeah. it's been slow to do so. Um, you know, when you look at when cocaine started to tumble in yeah. to the beaches of West Cork in around the 90s, in bales like that. And usually it was bad weather actually that turned a ship off mm. course or meant that they needed shelter in one of the harbours and it was discovered that way. But back then, you know, Ireland was sort of tentatively going to Europe looking for, for financial assistance yeah. to help police its coastline. Yeah. And the fact of the matter is, if it does continue and if it becomes a key yeah. place, I mean, it's like anywhere. It's like Belgium, Antwerp, do not have enough police. No. So Europe, in a way, I don't know how they do it with the borders that do exist and the different police forces and the different laws yeah. and all the rest of it. They, there's many countries in Europe that do actually um, send their police across borders yeah. to police when there's, you know, football matches and this kind of thing on. Yeah. That they can go and police the, the, uh, the troublemakers. But it seems to me that you kind of need to swarm these areas that are but there's, yeah, the and they're true, but there's so much coming in. I mean, if you look, so much at, coming in. I think there was two tons seized uh, last night or this week anyway in, yeah. in, in a UK registered yacht. Two tons was something like 80 million pounds worth of coke yeah. uh, coming in, trying to be landed in, in, in the northern part of Spain. Yeah. So you don't, these things don't even make headlines anymore. No. You know, it's just the sheer level of it. And then you see, that, that that's on a yacht as well, which is something equivalent to what has happened in Donegal. Yeah. Um, and then you obviously have the container ships, which is probably the bulk of it. And then you're also seeing these kind of mule smugglers where you have much smaller yeah. quantities, but coming in on planes, which has become really, really common now. Even in Ireland, there's been over the last... Are you talking about coming in through the general airport or these new planes? Because it, that was the other thing. No, they're thing. coming in through the general airport. Yeah. Mules, whether people are bringing in a couple of hundred thousand pounds worth of yeah. individuals. So that seems to be another, it's probably a smaller scale, but it's all of these methods. The markets here, you see. Yeah. I mean, Ireland is a huge, prolific user of cocaine. Yeah. yeah. Um, as is the Netherlands and Spain. Yeah. You know, Um. It's not coming in for no reason to no. sit in storage and not be sold. I mean, that's the, the the problem. It's a two-pronged, really, approach we need to be taking to it, the supply and the demand. But yes, the Kinahans, you see, they're so inventive, really. The Kinahans yeah. currently are sort of uh, agreeing to fly in an amount, but that it seems to have been bought by a number of different networks and yeah. it's, it's dropping the cocaine then it's up to them to yeah. they don't have the same cell structures they no. used to uh, but they're still selling it yeah they're still selling it yeah um, and you know that black market I was talking to Miles Johnson there from the Financial Times yes all right today, again, yeah. Yeah. you and your Bloomberg but um, we were discussing um, the whole thing actually we'll broadcast the interview with him next week but um you know, I was asking him about the sanctions, the US sanctions, yeah. like what do they practically mean? Yeah. They're supposed to disrupt a business yeah. from operating, but a drugs business is an underworld business anyway. It's not operating mainly in the legitimate yeah. market. So what's it doing? And yeah, apparently that was, I was quite pleased. with yeah, intelligent question. It was an intelligent question, apparently. Yeah. And uh, he said, well, you can listen to the interview, but he, he basically said, yes, uh, that was a very legitimate thing to say, but that it sort of made them toxic, I suppose, in a way yes. they still have to have to. Yeah, I mean, it put, I think it puts a marker and you can see that even in the Bloomberg piece. So this this becomes the the last word on the Kinahan yeah. family and um, the, or at least this, the members that are involved in crime. And, you know, but I mean, as we spoke about last week, things have gone so quiet. It's unbelievable. And um, I'm getting a growing sense that people in law enforcement, um, people who have been victims of the Kinahan organization and others are getting a bit concerned about how long it yep. is taking the United Arab Emirates to hand them over. They ain't handing them over. No. They're not giving Sean McGovern back at the moment and he is out and about and living as normal in Dubai. Yeah. They know where he is. Yeah. And for the moment, he seems to have protection. Yeah. From whatever. And, you know, the United Arab Emirates, which is as much about tourism, really, Dubai, as anything else, 
Um, it's becoming increasingly embarrassing for the Emirates, yeah. the way they're behaving for from an international point of view as yeah. regards organized crime. And yet they're still not moving in. No. You know? I mean, it's a different look. It is a different I honestly look. think it's time, to be honest with you, that that uh, the Minister for Justice or the Garda uh, Commissioner heads out there. Yeah. I really do. I think something has to happen now. It has to break. It's sort of in this no man's land there at the moment. Um, and somebody needs to stand up and do something about yeah, it. Yeah, well, look, I mean, we've seen, um, and we, we've seen the, the Italian Justice Minister fly over. Yeah. And action to be taken shortly afterwards. Exactly. Um, to literally get on a plane, fly over and and, and seek the extradition of uh, Raphael Imperiale. Yeah. And then it did happen. And then it did happen. Yeah. And that's because it's a geopolitical thing, isn't it? Yeah. And it's a political, and it's a, it, it embarrasses. Yeah you know, them in the end of the day, that yeah. they, they want to be seen. The Emirates are the whole time yeah. telling the world that they're bringing in new legislation. Yeah. They're cracking down. They're not a bolt hole for organized criminals, yet they are. Yeah. Um. So they're telling everybody the one thing and, you know, on the other hand, they're acting in a way that is very much translating to us that they are a safe haven yeah. for an organization accused of murder, uh, weapons and drug uh, dealing. Yeah, I mean the Italians have a longer history of politicians taking a very active role in fighting organized crime. In the sense that, because of the the history of the mafia and the yeah kind of the 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 wars that went on, I suppose with the Italian state, that Italian politicians and I think Floriana that we that we yeah. spoke on this spoke about about this before that. It, the Italian society as a whole sees it as its role where sometimes I do wonder if the Irish government have a, a kind of a distaste of getting involved in, in 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 that sort of front level of fronting up organized crime where if it, you know, when RTE get in a bit of trouble, they have no problem coming out and talking about that and, mm. you know, calling them to account in a way, you know. Are they afraid in a bigger I way? Just, You'd wonder, I, is, the, is, the, is just, the Department of Justice afraid to go out there and say, listen, it was April last year. Yeah. It's now a year and a half nearly later. And why haven't we not got our people back that we want? We want to place them before the courts. You know, are they afraid? Are they afraid because of the influence um, of the Emirates on the horse racing industry here? I don't know. I don't know if they just think it's, you know, the politicians always respond, of course, to to kind of uh, public opinion in Pressure certain, from the public. Well, certain yeah. certain types of public opinion. But your Helen McEntee was in here the other day. Like, she was, she was. But that was only because... I'd finally, go with her out to the Emirates, I have to say. Well, fly with her to offer. Dubai. Yeah, yeah why not? And offer to accompany her on yeah. the flight and we'll go out and yeah. stand together. You know, it's not the most comfortable place, I imagine, for a woman to go into to... Um, I think, though, you see something like Talbot Street, and which is really horrific crime and nobody would ever say that they shouldn't take things like that seriously but the fact that it kind of made the front page of the Irish Times makes politicians then arrive in Talbot Street the I next know. day I mean there's people getting you know there's incidents every day in Talbot yeah. Street and it's only when they hit RTE and the Irish Times sometimes that, that they react yeah yeah yeah. oh if only we had that status here yes, on our little yes, well, on our little podcast yes, yes, Crime World maybe soon Um, you never know so um, anything else no that, that's it Nicola is it did you did I, you you weren't here last week, so, you know. I was away. I was actually filming for Tracks and Trails. And, yeah. you know, yeah. uh, it was in Waterford and I was uh, having a little wander. Yeah, celebrity, the, celebrity life. It was very... <laughs> do, you remember the, <laughs> do you remember the time I was, and I think I was in my early 40s at this stage, so it was probably where I got uh, a well-known showbiz reporter to ring you up and tell you he was doing a story about you going on celebrity first dates. <laughs> Do yeah, I do. What did I say to him? You said, uh, "Well, oh, would I go on it?" No, no. I think he was ringing up saying, "I've heard you're going on it." Okay, I, I sent him a little text message saying, "This might be funny." Yeah, to do this, and of course, it wasn't. <laughs> well, it wasn't well. And then you used to always say, "Well, we're, la we're laughing, we're laughing now." Aren't Put you? me forward for Dancing with the Stars. Or yeah, yeah. Like that. Just I know. taking the absolute ripping the yeah, or the ice one. What's it called? Dancing on ice. I don't know what any of those things are. It was ridiculous. <laughs> Celebrity first dates. Is there such a thing? If there's not, we should do it. Yeah. 
you were very funny now about your your smart arse there. I mean, you go on celebrity first dates now yourself. <laughs> you roared at going for your lunch today, I weren't was, you? I was. I was. You know, by one of your many yeah. fans. Yeah. You know, and I've had a few messages from some of your lady friends you as know, well. Look, I'm not going to go through them to embarrass a, you. No, but, but there's a growing movement out there. Yeah. Anybody interested, just contact <laughs> me, and I'll keep your details from. Um, right. Well, that's enough before we go any deeper into. Uncharted waters, I think. Yes, yes, let's move on. Okay. Thanks, Nicola. Thanks, Mel. You've been listening to Crime World, a podcast from sundayworld.com, produced by Ian Mullaney and edited by me, Nicola Talent. Research assistant is Claude Amini. If you like this show and love true crime, leave us a review. Or why not download the free sundayworld.com app for lots more stories from Ireland and across the globe. Would you like to be able to start conversations like a pro? Take The Sunday World, your daily dose of what's going on. Do not consume The Sunday World if you're involved in a drug cartel, you're a politician with something to hide, or you've appeared on a reality TV show and care about others' opinions. Consume The Sunday World responsibly. Always read the stories, gossip, and commentary.